Well, it is a distinct honor to be with you uh, this morning. As Mark said, I'm no stranger here, though I might be a little strange, but uh, we won't get into that one. Uh, it's an honor to be part of your character series and to share uh, about someone who is very dear to my heart. And uh, we'll get into his name in a second, uh, but he is actually one of my informal mentors. So I don't know if you know what an informal mentor is. Formal mentors are those that you have a regular ongoing relationship with and you speak into each other's lives and they help and guide you into the character of Christ, into the mission of Christ, and into the heartbeat of, of who Christ is. An informal mentor is somebody who you don't have an ongoing personal relationship with. They could be somebody in a book, somebody in history, it could be somebody alive today that you just, is an example to you. I'm going to share my key example of somebody who is very holistic, uh, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Uh, but before I do, I want to ask you a question. Actually, more than that, it's quiz time. Okay, so here we are, quiz time. You're going, this is chapel. It's not class. What's this with a quiz? Well, I talked to Kelly Stefan, and he is totally good with this. He'll actually be grading some of you in his classes later on about this. Okay, I'm lying. All right, so I'm not starting off very well, am I? Two strikes, I might be out. Uh, this could be a bad chapel. Well, actually, in one sense, that is true. Because I'm going to be talking, as I said, about a key figure in church and human history who uh, you might say in slang is one bad dude in a very great way. <laughs> His name is Granville Sharp. And he lived in the late 1700s and early 1800s. Well, here's the quiz. I'm not kidding about that one. So, Get ready. I'm going to say some words, and I want you to sit back and think about what thoughts come to mind, what pictures come to mind, emotions arise within you when I say these words. And there are titles uh, that we're very familiar with within the context of the Church of Jesus Christ. Okay, first word is pastor. It's the first thought that comes to mind, picture that comes to mind is a person. Are there emotions, warm, fuzzy emotions, or, oh, not, my, not that pastor, I had a bad experience with that, oh, he's a preachy guy, or, no, loving, gentle, what comes to mind? Okay, pastor. Teacher, that's a dangerous one here, don't think of anybody particular, but when I say teacher, what comes to mind? Emotions, thoughts, is that something that attracts you for yourself to want to become this kind of a person, or a pastor? Okay, here's the third one, evangelist. What comes to mind with the word evangelist? Slick back hair, you know, pounding a pulpit. What about evangelism? Whoa, that's for somebody else. You know, don't get me involved. I'm not an evangelist. Evangelism. Well, the Greek word for evangelism is euangelion. What is that? Anybody know what English words we translate from the Greek word euangelion? Sorry? Yell her out. Through the masks, let it come out. Well, the word gospel, the word good news, is really the literal translation of euangelion. That was actually even used about Caesar Augustus. They talked about the euangelion, the gospel, the good news of Caesar Augustus, who is the son of God. It's interesting, Mark chapter 1, verse 1, we see Jesus being referred to as that almost like a counter-narrative implied in the gospel's title itself. Well, euangelion. I'm going to talk about a holistic euangelionist. Fancy weird word. 
Actually, in the uh, Greek, when you have the word evangelist in Ephesians chapter 4, where it talks about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, there, that word evangelist is actually euangelistas. Euangelistas. So you might say they're a barista of the gospel. You know, euangelistas. Wouldn't that be a cool title? I'm a euangelistas. Let me serve you up a cup of, not Joe, but the gospel. Okay, anyway. Gospel. Um, I want to talk about the fact that the gospel is holistic. It involves salvation that changes our mind, our soul, our character, our personhood, all our thoughts, emotions, hopes, dreams, desires, passions, spirit, our relationship with the Lord, and body. There's wholeness and healing that comes to the gospel. And society, that society changes as we become gospel people, as we incarnate the gospel. And Granville Sharp is one who incarnated the gospel. So I'm going to ask you the question, how sharp are you? Granville Sharp, a holistic UN Gellist. Well, Granville, and I apologize, the slides were nicely meant to come up in pieces, but your system doesn't op- give that option. So you're going to get all the slide at once, and it's going to be whoa, overwhelming. So how sharp are you? Well, the first two statements there, Granville Sharp is my informal mentor. And he was a lay person. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't an evangelist. He wasn't a teacher. He was a lay person. He worked in the British War Office as a clerk by day. And most of what he did until he had some funding to go full-time as a volunteer, he did in the evenings on the side, aside from his full-time job. And my informal mentor, Granville Sharp, he had a ministry calling, but it did not lead to a ministry vocation. So in his daily world, he lived out the gospel, but he wasn't paid for it. He didn't have the privilege of a full-time vocation in that regard. Some of you may not have that privilege as you graduate, as you walk through your worlds. It doesn't matter. Be the gospel. Granville Sharp's a great example. Well, Granville was not an ordained pastor, point number one. Point number two, he was not even a professor with a PhD. In other words, he wasn't academically trained. And point number three, he wasn't a politician, a member of parliament. Yet Granville Sharp changed British society in seminal ways, especially with respect to the slave trade. We'll talk about that. Even though Granville wasn't an ordained pastor, and the Greek word for pastor we translate is, uh, is better translated shepherd, But he shepherded people to Christ through music, through the character of Christ, through social justice. He wasn't a professor with a PhD, but he was a Hebrew and Greek expert that actually unfolded a grammatical rule that demonstrates that Paul intentionally teaches the deity of Jesus Christ. Just by grammar alone, we can make that affirmation. And he wasn't a politician But he was the tip of the spear in the abolition of the slave trade and eventually helped found a colony in Sierra Leone for freed slaves. Amazing man of God. Amazing impact. Granville Sharp, again, uh, was a holistic evangelist. Holistic in the sense that his whole mind, body, soul, and spirit was transformed by Christ. 
And this um, statement comes out of uh, an article by Daniel Wallace, a key Greek scholar of the Journal of the Evangelical Theological Society in 1999. He describes Granville Sharp. And so I'm just going to read that out to you. Granville Sharp was one of a rare breed of men whose life was characterized by a blend of piety, social conscience, scholarship, and Christian grace. His chief biographer, Prince Hoar, who penned a two-volume, 900-page work on Granville's life. Wow. Somebody's write a biography of your life. I mean, we're all young. I get, well, can't speak for myself. I'm old. I'm on the other side of 60 already. Um, but if somebody's to pen an auto, a biography of your life, what would they say? How long would it be? Granville Sharp. Eight, 900 pages. Like, oh my goodness. Who reads that kind of biography anyway? But he said, and all that I looked at his life, at the, he says, um, he goes so far as to say that outside of his investigations, he intended, out of respect for the dead, to draw a veil over some peculiarity of Mr. Sharp's character. When he finished his well-researched and comprehensive biography, he happily found that Gransville's character, quote, to be of that high and dignified character, to leave no necessity for such a precaution. I see nothing to veil. Granville Sharp was an authentic human being. He was a transparent human being. He was a man of integrity. He was in the dark who he was in the light. That's the definition of integrity, authenticity. Are you a person who is the same in the dark when you're alone, when nobody's watching you, as you are in the light when people are watching you? Are you consistent in your character? If not, I invite you to take that to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to be the same in the light as I am in the dark. Form me, transform me. I want to be humble and repent when you bring things to mind. Help me to be a vessel of your grace. That was Granville Sharp in his whole personhood. Well, how sharp are you? Well, here's some ways in which Granville Sharp demonstrated sharpness in his society. Social justice. You see a picture there of William Wilberforce. Anybody know who William Wilberforce, well, that word, Wilberforce is? I see some head shaking. Okay, what's the name of the movie they made about his life? Amazing Grace. Great movie. Watch it sometime. You'll be blessed beyond measure. But William Wilberforce was a member of parliament. And for years, and I think over 20 years, he kept trying to abolish slavery as an institution across the United Kingdom. His inspiration came from Granville Sharp, because years before, Granville Sharp um, worked to abolish the slave trade. Wilberforce managed to get slavery as an institution banished, but uh, Sharp started small. And Daniel Wallace, in his Journal of Evangelical Theological Society article, talks about how Granville Sharp was the force behind Wilberforce. And they, they worked together, and, but Granville died before he could see the success of Wilberforce's process. Well, he was also musical. So you see that fancy old English painting of all these people sitting on top of each other playing music? That's Granville's family. They were very musical. And so music was a part of it. And he actually, Granville wrote articles and essays on music and wrote music that had, been, and had it published. Very gifted man. 
So as I mentioned, he helped abolish the slave trade. And in 1767, he was, you know, minding his own business, just having a cup of coffee, not coffee, tea, a cup of tea at home, heard this bang, bang on his door, and here was this slave who'd been beaten and collapsed in his door. What do you do? What do you do when life interrupts your life? When inconvenience hits your comfort zones? What do you do with an opportunity to be Christ comes your way, but you're too busy, you know, oops, I got a meeting to go to. Oh, I got a class to go to. Oh, you know, I can't stop by the side of the road to help and change your flat tire because, um, I don't know because, because it's inconvenient. What do you do when God intersects your life with an opportunity to be Christ? Well, Granville Sharp took up the challenge. He took in the slave. Well, later when his master came to demand his slave be returned, Granville Sharp said, I have two words for you. No, let me make it one. No. And from that point forward, Granville Sharp, on the side, in the evenings, with candlelight, learned legal, how to argue legal cases. He learned law. So he could defend this slave. And his job, his focus, was to say that when a slave touched foot on English soil, that they would be freed. And that thus this slave could be freed from his master. Well, he worked that case, and later in 1772, with another incident, um, he got the official word and law and ruling that, quote, as soon as any slave sets foot upon English territory, he becomes free. He studied law on the side. And it was amazing in the impact he had and started the whole movement towards the abolition, not just of the slave trade, but of slavery as an institution that Wilberforce finished. Well, he was also not just dealing with uh, the abolition of slave trade as a sharp politician, so to speak, but in the political realm, he actually helped develop an African colony for freed slaves. In 1787, he was part of a team that founded the province of freedom in Sierra Leone. You may have heard Sierra Leone in, in the news, some very sad things happening with uh, civil war, using child wars, all that kind of stuff. But way back in those days, the problem that had happened was now that all these African slaves were on English soil, they were free. Well, what do you do? Where do you go? Like, how do you live in freedom? How do you start businesses? They had no idea. And so they're just aimless with no opportunity to dig into British society. And so Granville Sharp and a team said, we need a place for them to go where they can get back to their roots, where they have an opportunity to develop a life and a national identity. And so this um, happened. They brought the Black Poor of London, about 500 blacks and 60 whites, even some African-Americans freed from the American Revolution War, and they established Granville Town, which is now called Freetown in Sierra Leone. To honor this, in 1807, um, he had a stamp made. So the, the British Empire honored him by having a stamp made. He made a significant impact upon his time and his life. And he was a dedicated, committed, heart-focused follower of Jesus Christ.
Oops. Go back a little, buddy. So, now as I'm getting close to, away from the political side, moving into the, um, the teacher side of Granville Sharp, this is touching even closer to my heart um, as a professor in biblical studies. So here's three of the things that he developed within biblical side of things. He was the joint founder of the British and Foreign Bible Society. So he wanted to get the word translated into languages elsewhere around the world. He also wanted to get the word into the hands of the common people so they could read and hear God speak to them as they sat under the word and within a community of discernment together, hearing the Spirit speak. He even went so, and now get this, he's going to be dealing with Hebrew and Greek. He learned Hebrew and Greek on his own. He never considered himself smart enough to get a Master of Divinity degree. He said, I, I, that's not what I can manage. The guy was brilliant. He was at the level of a doctorate. But that's his humility. His desire just to be who he was and to do what God calls him to do. As you continue to live and walk and move and have your being in this life, are you content to be who you are? To be the person God has made you? To live fully in the station of life you're in at each phase as you walk through life? To bloom where you're planted? To put your roots deep into Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I may have an idea, vocational aspirations, hopes, dreams, desires, but if I try and achieve them, if I go after them, they're empty. They're going to crumble. They're going to be meaningless to me. Lord, I submit myself fully to you. And I let you do with me as you've created me to be. Help me to hear what your spirit is saying to me so I can become Christ wherever I may be. I can be the fragrance of Jesus Christ. I can be the, the flowering of the presence of God wherever I am. Whether it's in a vocation that you think is too menial, working part-time in a retail store somewhere, it doesn't matter. Be Christ, and you're fulfilling the will of God wherever you may be. Granville decided to do that. So he learned Hebrew, and he went to the top scholar in the United Kingdom of that day, the Hebrew scholar, at Oxford University. And what this top scholar was going to do, he's going to take the Hebrew Bible, and he's going to take, as you know, maybe from Bible, biblical courses, that there are manuscripts that have variant readings from the Masoretic text of the Hebrew Bible, the one that's translated into the Hebrew that we have in our English. There's variants over time that people find. They say, well, there's different ways in which we see people have, you know, interpreted this verse, changed words here, whatever. What do you do with these things? Well, what this Oxford scholar is going to do, he's going to integrate all these readings, make decisions, and put them into the text and create the best text he thought possible. Well, Granville said, if you do that, nobody knows. There's no standard anymore. There's nothing to compare to. You're going to end up losing the integrity of the Word of God. So he convinced this Hebrew scholar to keep the Masoretic text, which is from 1000 AD, as the base text, and just at the bottom indicate the different readings that have developed over the centuries. So people can make their own choices on how to deal with those. A guy 
who's a volunteer layperson in the British War Office, even just to get an audience with, Grant, with uh, Kennecott was astounding, let alone for Kennecott to change his mind. And our translation um, practices have resulted in, in that way ever since. Wallace says there, part of the reason that the Hebrew Bible has continued even to the present to be a diplomatic text based on a single manuscript as opposed to an eclectic text is due to the influence that an untrained clerk had on the great Hebraist of the day, Benjamin Kennecott. Now we're getting to the New Testament. And that's my area of expertise. And this is exciting. And you're going to go, wake me up when you're done. <laughs> Don't give me, it's all Greek to me, all right? Well, I'm going to show you some Greek. So the third point here is Greek. He uh, founded what we call the Granville Sharp Rule. And it demonstrates that Paul is teaching the deity of Christ by using a grammatical category in Titus 2, verse 13. So here it is, okay? You can close your eyes if you want to relax and focus on something else. But here's the basic rule. Very simple. If you have the word the, and you have a noun, like teacher, and you have the word and, and then you have another noun, like pastor, the teacher and pastor, that phrase is not talking about two different people, but about one person seen from two different perspectives. If you had the teacher and the pastor, then you have two different people being referenced. So the teacher and pastor is one person from two perspectives. Here's what Paul says in Titus 2.13. Oh, no, Greek, don't do this to me. Okay, here's uh, the essence of it is that if you look at the very bottom in my, my block capital printing, it says the plus God, and then the word and, then Savior, and then Jesus Christ. Paul is saying the God and Savior of us, Jesus Christ. Through grammar, he is saying Jesus is our Savior and very God. Period. No one's ever disproven the Granville Sharp rule in terms of Greek linguists. It's a powerful, powerful uh, tool in arguing for the, the uh, deity of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you, how sharp are you? Are you a holistic euangelist? Or if you want to call yourself a euangelista, you know, somebody who is incarnating the gospel in your life wherever you may be found, whether in your dorm room, whether in your class sessions, whether on campus, whether out in Three Hills, whether beyond to wherever your family roots are, are you choosing intentionally every day to let Jesus live out through you? Jesus, as we know, was incarnated as fully human, though being very God, had a body, was crucified, was resurrected, has now as a glorified body. But Jesus has another body. What's the body of Jesus called nowadays? What's that? The church. Yes, the church. We are the body of Christ now. So Jesus is dwelling among the church universal. We are to represent him, to incarnate him into our life and change society, not just the church. But you know what? You individually 
are indwelt by Jesus Christ. You too are the body of Jesus Christ. Are you letting Jesus live out for you, through you as he wanted to, as he did when he was here upon the earth physically? You are now the physical presence of Jesus wherever you go. Take that responsibility very seriously. Because the reputation of God is at stake and the eternity of people is at stake. But how they view us is how they view Jesus. Granville Sharp was a man who refused to compromise in his integrity and chose to live out in the power of the Holy Spirit a sacrificial life of humility and service to the God of this universe and to the people that he created. He used his mind. He dedicated his mind. He, he dug deep into the Bible and into the biblical languages so he could read in the original and discern truth to a greater degree than he could otherwise just in English. He dug deep into theology, into philosophy. He wrote papers on that. He embodied the gospel in society. He was involved in justice in the real world. He wasn't a fortress mentality like the church sometimes is. Oh, don't mix the world and us. We're just going to separate and let the world go to hell. You know, we're saved. Whew, we're good. Whew, got that down. Close the doors. Don't let anybody in. We don't want to get defiled, you know. Protect us from the world. No, he was in the world, but not of the world. Living and changing the very fabric of British society. Are you committed to changing the very fabric of Canadian society? I love the conversation you're having with Kelly and Justin. That's a powerful conversation. And one, when done in grace and discernment by the power of the Holy Spirit, can be a life-changing opportunity for you to be people who people trust. The one thing that I want to have on my gravestone written at the very end of my life is this phrase. Ralph, friend of sinners. Wouldn't that be the best epitaph? If those who don't know Jesus and all they've seen of him makes them want to throw up because of how the church is living in this world, and yet they trust you, they know that you love them, and that you are the heart of Christ, and that you are a friend? They're not just a project? Lord, would you make us a people who reflect you, who are you? Would you make us a people who those who don't know about you are afraid of you, even hate you, yet somehow feel comfortable or amidst as they did in Jesus' presence? Would you allow us to be the body of Christ, the heart of Christ, the mind of Christ, the hands of Christ, the feet of Christ, would you work through us in ways that 
give life to people, Lord Jesus, who are dying and feeling alone and isolated and just don't know what this life is all about. God, help us to break forth with your light, to be your life, and to be your love. Dear Jesus, thank you for Granville as an example of that. Thank you for all these characters that uh, Prairie is looking at through this series. Uh, continue to form and fashion us all. Thank you for this time. In Jesus, your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for your time and, and for your commitment here at Prairie to dig into the Word, to dig into what it means to be a people of the Word, to dig into what it means to be Jesus Christ as you live and train and equip yourselves for God's purposes in your lives. God bless you. Thank you for this opportunity.